Forgotten Flicks, episode 69. The Principal from 1987. Y'all want this party started, right? Y'all want this party started quickly, right? Hello and welcome to the Set It Off podcast. Also known as Forgotten Flicks, I am Joel and joined as always by the badass gangsta himself, the man who'd make Victor Duncan shit in his drawls, Jason. Oh my God, man, I'm like so happy to be here tonight and I've had so much whiskey, just tell you, just point me in the direction of a high school. And I'll teach. Well, no, no, fir- no. First, what you'll do, you drunk this. ass bastard, is you'll get on a motorcycle and apparently drive it very well <laughs> down a major interstate. Then, uh, yeah, then, man, it- I swear to God, the best punishment you can give me is put me in a bad school. <laughs> yes, to deal with your anger management problems, because obviously your <sighs> ability to handle stress was proven by the opening scene of the movie. But before we go there. Jason, today, Good evening, sir. How yeah, are you? <laughs> I am fantastic, and and I'm I'm figuring this is going to be the episode where eighty five percent of it is going to be me just drawing comparisons between this movie and my actual teaching experiences because I in fact taught in schools that were not that far removed from uh, was it Brendel 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 Are you sure with a B or an R? It was it was a B. Because, okay, Brind- uh, see that's the thing. You just said Rendell. You sound like you said Rendell, but you it said. Did. But if you looked at Lewis Gossett Jr.'s shirt at one point, it, it had to be on. Like Brenda. Like bra. Like like Brenda with L's. But several times people enunciated it and they left off the B. Yeah. And they said Rendell. So tonight. Yes, yes. So tonight. You're talking about. The principal. The principal. And it really is the principal of the thing. Honestly. It's the principal. It really is. And uh, I'd like to also point out that this is our 69th episode. Not that that means anything. It's just kind of kinky. <laughs> so, Jason, um, I will... Wait, of, are of you... all the movies. Wait. Of all the movies, yeah, you picked this to be our 69th episode. It was kind of like episode. when I contemplated changing it, but then I realized it had been on the schedule for a while, and then we had like things bumped around. I was like, ah, screw it. And up. we did have some a couple people recommend this, or at least ask us to cover it. So. Yep, yep, yep. I guess. So, to make it truly the 69th episode, you, um, I'm assuming, are standing on uh, your feet. I'll uh, go ahead and uh, stand on my hands. Uh, hey, I got it. 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. <laughs> oh, wait, that's 99th episode. What? What? Oh, yeah, that'd be the 99th. You kind of blew your load a little early there on that one, Chief. Sorry. 
So yes, this uh, if it's your first time listening, I'm sorry. It'll probably also be your last um, because mm-hmm. this is basically what the entire show is. No, I'm kidding. So we're going to go right into the movie, Jay. Let's hit the trailer and the hit spoiler alert and then hit your synopsiopsiopsis. Some people think Rick Latimer shouldn't be a teacher. All right, bring him up. Linda, I want you wearing a broader class. Rick, grow up. I'm trying. And now he's been promoted to the bottom of the barrel. A war zone called Brandell High. His job? Principal. Who do you think you are? Dirty Harry or somebody? So you're the new principal. Yes. I must be the captain of the debating team. No. Come from all over the district. They even come with their own customs and traditions. Burglary, weapons, truants, all them nice things. I want you guys to be comfortable here. I want you to think of the school as a home away from prison. Man, do you know where you are? Ain't you heard what they say about this school? His opposition. Everybody. No more gang intimidation, arson, robbery, rape, or whatever the hell you've been majoring in here. No more! Talk too much. Can you tell me uh, what class this is for? Hey, class Victor Duncan tries to kill me. This school here is my school. I make the rules. I want these guys put on temporary payroll security guards. But they're teachers. They're big teachers. His allies, just one. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, I know you're glad. You'd be dead by now. They want to keep him out. If you're trying to reach me, I just cut your hand off. I got another one. He wants... On the next school on ...to keep them in. Three, five, up five. Come on, on the side. Down low. Too slow, man. You can't just teach the easy ones and throw the rest in the garbage. You're not the principal here anymore. And if you come back tomorrow and you try, you're going over the body bag. James Belushi. I'll be here tomorrow. And Louis Gossett Jr. Hey, Rick. I'll be here too, man. In The Principal. Excuse me. Excuse me. Spoiler alert, please. Well, to you too. Yes, the people, by the way, who thought he shouldn't be a teacher would be correct. (laughs) So that would have been a pretty short movie um, had the trailer ended that way. But yeah, yeah, Jason, would you like to um, maybe, uh, I don't know, cover the synopsis of this classic? So yeah, I'd like to tell you about what this story. So, well, real quick, real quick. Is this, this this is the one about the the teacher who goes into the school with a baseball bat, right? And he says that awesome line, they used to call him a crazy Joe, now they can call him a Batman, right? Uh, you wish. Uh, not quite. Okay. No. Uh, well, well. There are bats, uh, but uh, his name is not Joe. He's actually Rick. Oh. Or Ricky, uh, whatever you like, I depending on if you're his ex-wife or movie. not. I watched the yeah. wrong movie. Oops. Yeah. Uh, and whether or not he's bashing bashing in your Porsche. Uh, so this is a story. To be fair, of it was a lawyer. Rick. It was a lawyer that he did that to. So it was a lawyer. So it's okay. Yeah. It makes it okay. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the story of Rick. Rick is a. Uh, we don't know what kind of teacher really, other than he shows up hungover and uses binoculars to check out uh, teenage girls' legs. Uh, yes, yes, mm-hmm. um, and that's okay because he's just down and out, and he needs inspiration. So he uh, he has an incident at the bar when he's trashed, and his ex-wife comes in with her attorney, and they're kissing. So he flips out, 
uh, bashes up the guest car, gets arrested, all kinds of trouble. And what does the school do? We are going to promote you. Uh, but you have to go to Brandell, which apparently is a notorious school in Oakland, uh, California somewhere. Uh, not really, but in the movie. Mm-hmm. So he, sh- he shows up uh, on his motorcycle because he's tough and he's cool uh, and immediately breaks up a big fight. And uh, so this general idea of the entire storyline of this is Louis Gossett Jr. plays a security guard who used to be a high school football star there and was a college football star but got injured um, and couldn't play. So this was his you – know, he came back home, sort of, so to speak. Uh, he's security guard at this very bad, rough, tough school with gangsters and drug dealers and uh, uh, all kinds of bad problems. And he gets basically punished as the principal there because they think he can't hack it. So he tries to turn the school around. And at first he's, you know, I don't want to be here. I don't care about this place. But then realizes uh, he really wants to try and change things because the connection between everybody in the school is pretty much trash for the school district. This is the last stop for all of them. And he's trash, too, because this is the last stop for him. So Mm, he tries to. I hate it when that happens. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so he, he sort of tries to uh, um, redeem himself and redeem the students, and he finds hope in many of them by being tough. And he kind of starts to get uh, tough with the kids and tough with the teachers and uh, everybody. Uh, it stars, uh, as I mentioned, Louis Gossett Jr. plays the security guard Jake. Um, James, uh, James Belushi, Jim Belushi is the, the principal, Radon Chong. Mm-hmm. Plays one of the teachers. Indeed, um, she does. She does. See, there, um, there's and, a reason for the 69th episode. Yes, <laughs> almost, <laughs> almost. But at one point, uh, Rick saves her from that. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's pretty much a school full of felons, and he's trying to at least uh, pick out the, the the bad seeds and help the rest of them. Mm. Yeah, I guess that's a a good way of putting it. Um, it, it stars a good handful um, of people. I mentioned uh, those, but did you notice one of the 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 shop gang members, the one with the big hair? Yeah, the one that he uh, that goes running into the gymnasium, hiding behind, beneath the bleachers. That one. Yep. Yeah, that kid. Yep. yep. I recognized him. Yep. You know who he is? Like what he's been in and who he was. Yeah. My knee-jerk response is, is he the kid from Nightmare on Elm Street? Um, the boyfriend of no. Tina? I always, I always like, that kid looks like about eight other actors, and I always confuse him with everybody else, so I don't no. know if I'm correct on that. No, no. Uh, he was in La Bamba the year, uh, the year, same year that this came yeah, out. Yeah, 87. Mm-hmm. He is in Most Famous for NYPD Blue. Oh, it's Isai okay. Morales. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yes. Plays a detective. You know, he's kind of a captainish guy, and yes, um, he was also in Bad Boys from 1983. But uh, that's what I mainly know him from is NYPD Blue. He plays the, the kind of the captain guy. Because I looked at him like, God, I know him. Yeah, from he somewhere. definitely looks familiar. Yeah. So what's the name of the guy from Nightmare on Elm Street? Because I keep doing that. I don't know. I thought the kid, the kid from uh, Thrashing and Weird Science, was him. And I'm saying. Well, it's kind of like I do with. Uh, we were just talking about the guy from um, Happy Gilmore that plays Shooter McGavin. Yes, yeah. He, he looks like 
Joe Piscopo, but he's also been bit, in a yeah. crap ton of stuff. Yeah. Very confusing. Um, yeah, which guy in Nightmare on Elm Street? So. Are you asking me which guy? Guy that you're talking about. I got a whole list of people. It was the it was Tina's boyfriend, uh was it Nick? Was his name Nick in the movie? Yeah, Nancy Rod. Oh Rod. yeah, it was uh Rod. He was Rod. Just yeah. Sue Garcia. Yeah, but I know ASU. Seen... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was. I'm trying to remember. He was, some... he was in something else. Not that this is going to go on a complete tangent about trying to figure out who the hell the guy is from Nightmare. He was in Collateral Damage with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm, um, something else. He was else, also in 80s. Wildcats. He was also maybe I'm in... thinking of Wildcats because that was also another tough school kind of movie. Yeah. Hmm. Vampire in Brooklyn. Hmm. No, that wasn't it. Sorry. <laughs> no. Also directed by Wes Craven. Probably yeah. his scariest. Yes. Picture yes. next to Music so... of the Heart. So so anyway, yes. uh, the, the side story to this sort of is uh, at, at one point um, there is one bad student. One? There's one batter student. <laughs> one particularly bad student. Yes. Uh, uh, who is kind of the drug dealer, kingpin, um, gang leader named Victor. Uh, and he is this in the beginning – uh, he, well, throughout, but in the beginning, he's this very kind of cool character of I'm in charge, but I call the shots. You're not the principal. I'm in charge here. And um, at several points, spoiler alert, uh, Jim Belushi's character, Rick, gets his ass kicked uh, pretty bad. Yeah, but, but usually it's by about eight people. Have you noticed yes. that? When it's one-on-one, he can throw down. He can hold his own. Yes. Uh, but at one point, they basically wrap a towel around his face and beat him, like five or six guys beat him up. Uh, but he takes it, you know, he's tough and he comes back. And he, he basically wins the respect of all of the students by the fact that he's not giving up on any of them. Um, and uh, except Victor. Victor's the only one that wants him gone. Yeah. And uh, uh, that kind of builds to the finale, which is really where most of the students have, have – uh, accepted the, the principal as, as sort of their leader, and even most of the teachers sort of come around. But this Victor guy is going to kill him, and he's you know he's killed some, or he's tried to kill a couple other people, and um, but nobody saw anything. Wink, so the, wink. So the police can't do anything because nobody saw it. Because uh, apparently, police don't investigate anything in this movie, uh, but. At the end, it's sort of the finale of Victor's coming after uh, the principal, and, and he's going to kill him. And so that's kind of what happens at the end um, as they build up to it, which we'll get to the finale in a second. But well, I do so want to address that's the Mr. general synopsis. Yes, and I do want to address Mr. Duncan because he was a uh, intimidating fellow who I don't. Did you catch how old he was when he, in fact, made this movie? Uh, no, I didn't, but I'm going to say. Gosh, um, he kind of had a baby face, but I recognize he was older. I'm going to say maybe he was 24. Keep going. Well, uh, higher? Up, up. Older? Yep. Uh, 28? Keep going. <laughs> 32. Yep. Now you are you overshot it by just a smidge. I believe he was 31 years old. Oh, my God. He was born in 1956. Now, be... Well, I guess he, he might have been 30 when they shot it, to be fair. This came out in 87. So, wow. Uh, he was 30, yeah. Uh, to be fair, he did kind of have a babyface look. I he mean, did, no, he yeah, was he supposed definitely, to be yes, a kid yes. who 
who has been in, I mean, he looked like a kid who'd been in high school for six years. Yeah, he definitely looked like he would. But then again, it makes sense for that character. Um, right. That's what I mean. But yeah. that looked right. But I would still think at 20, and he's supposed to be like 20 year old character. Now, he was, was a, he was a, he, that actor was actually on a very famous sci fi television show from the 80s miniseries. Do you happen to remember what that miniseries was? Mm, let's see, sci-fi miniseries mm-hmm. from the '80s. Uh, I don't remember him, uh, but I'm gonna say well, the only sci-fi miniseries I can think of consequences V. Yes, and the Golden Girls, the sci-fi years was the other one. <laughs> yes, it was V. Uh, he was in V. He played Elias Taylor. Which I actually have a vague because he's one of those guys that you see his face and you recognize him. He's got that kind of raspy voice. Yes, uh, and he was very also in a voice. in a good movie called The Five Heartbeats that I believe Robert Townsend directed. So he uh, he's he's done quite a bit of stuff, but he was definitely an intimidating figure. But I would po- I like to just address this right off the bat. Okay, we're not well, we are giving it away. It's the ending of the movie, but <laughs> <laughs> in the end of this movie. When the final showdown, because you know it's coming between Victor and Mr. Latimer. Was it Latimer or Latimer? It was Latimer, wasn't it? I think it's Latimer. Latimer? Just Latimer? I think so. Latimer? Yeah. Come on, Latimer. Come here, Latimer. Latimer, come on, boy. Come here, boy. <laughs> Be careful, my dog comes barreling through the uh, closet here. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, so when they have their final throwdown, okay? Yep. Again, I point out when there's eight kids against Ricky. You know, he he has a difficult time. However, one-on-one, was it me or, how can I put this delicately, did Victor kind of fight like a punk-ass bitch? (laughs) And the reason why I say that is because I swear when he was kicking at times, I was like... It was like, what was that ballet move, the pliette, or I'm I'm making stuff up here. Um... You know, like he was getting ready to put his leg up on the bars to do his stretching. Like, that's what I kind of felt like he was doing. And every. Did you get that vibe or was it just me? Did I rewound? Okay, so the the whole movie, for the most part, Victor does not fight himself, right? Yeah, he always sends people to do his dirty work. Yes, he, like he's raping the teachers man, comes and, and does cutting. It. He's definitely there when ass kicking yes. happens, but he doesn't yes. do much. Mm-hmm. So, the end, it's, a, it's definitely a. Mono imano fight between uh, the principal and Victor, and there's an entire sequence that I actually rewound and watched again. It's like Victor is in a chorus line, yes, or he's yeah. one of the Rockettes. Dun, dun, da, I, da, da, I'm not kidding. Dun, dun. Like he does this kind of kick, yes, no punching. He, yeah, this is weird kind of dance move kick, like six times in a row. Yeah, and it's almost <laughs> like did you almost feel like Rick was just he felt bad? It's like you know what it is. It was. There was a, a bit on Mad TV back in the day that Michael McDonald did where he was supposed to be like this kind of uh, sort of white trashy, you know, had the mullet. He's like, hey, man, y'all had the wife beater shirt on. And he would get in, he would pick fights with people, but he couldn't fight all. Like he would, you know, pick like these very like preppy, meek looking guys and be like, hey, man, you mess with my lady. And the guy's like, no, man, I wasn't. I'm, I'm going to kick your ass, man. And then he would kind of like go up to the guy and then in the weakest way possible, like bump him and then like take his hands. Like he's like, eh, like flailing about and like <laughs> as if not even like he's slapping the guy, but like his hands are just like, they have absolutely no power. Like he's just, he's like swatting it like very slow flies around his head. And he would just kind of fall to the ground and do that all the way down to the guy's shoes. And the guy's guy would just stand there looking like, okay. 
Yeah, <laughs> if you want more of that, keep looking at my lady. That was kind of what I felt like was going on between Victor and Rick. That Rick felt so bad that this guy... Just let him keep going. He's just like, I'm just going to let him, quote unquote, punch me a couple times <laughs> before I really kick his ass. Because his self-esteem can't handle this. I mean, it's going to be bad. Well, and it's funny because that's it, when Victor is kicking his ass for a while and he's he's definitely coming at him hard, I guess as hard as he can with his, you know, chorus line, line kick, foot. But, yeah. Yeah. But um, then at one point, that's when Jim Belushi goes. My, my turn. turn. He gets the bug eyes. The, yeah. My like, turn. He goes, he goes all Martin Riggs. <laughs> he goes Martin Riggs and Lethal Weapon. Also ah, came yes. out that it came out the same year. So I'm thinking there was an acting coach that was going around Hollywood telling all these actors, if you're in an action movie, what you do is you see. You want to come across as crazy, you widen your eyes real big like and go, my turn. <laughs> and then lay a ass whooping on somebody. But yeah, <laughs> but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's rewind this. So when Ladder, let's back up a little bit. Yeah, let's back up just like to the very beginning. Yes. Very first shot of this movie is a shot glass on fire, which I thought was actually a very good visual metaphor for Latimer, Latimer. Because the idea of him being filled with rage and a raging alcoholic, whether they want to address that, and also also a human chimney or ashtray, as it were, I felt like I like that. I was like, they started off with that show. I was like, that's actually good. I like the fact that you're kind of establishing his character. I did again. I I kind of like the whole buildup of uh you know him him smashing the Porsche of the guy that he hothead. He yeah, yeah, we we, we established this very well. Violent. Where I start to get a little creeped out by him is when we do cut to, and and that was also really good. uh, I thought uh, economical storytelling, like you, okay, the shot glass, the fight, or the not even fight, the busting up the Porsche. Cut to him in the police station. To the the only question they ask him is occupation, and he gets that look on his face. He goes, school teacher. Cut to him in the classroom. Good. We've right. Very short order. You don't have to spend all that time on on him in the drunk tank. You don't have to do shots of all that. Don't care. Yep, that's awesome. Awesome. Yep, very good. So then, but yeah, we but cut. Then, to, yeah, but then he's in the classroom. Okay, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, why does he have? Why are we looking through binoculars at students? This is kind of weird because if you've ever been in a classroom, like you know, ninety-eight percent of people, you know that there's really not that much distance, generally speaking, unless you're in an auditorium, maybe between the teacher's desk and the students. So. Okay, I assumed he was trying to observe cheating because he made a comment about somebody cheating. But then his his binoculars kind of jerk down to this young lady's knees and kind of not up her skirt, but you know, basically looking at her legs and her skirt. And... Yeah, and I'm just and these are probably seniors in high school, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say she was 18. But regardless, creepy. Okay, and then he makes a comment. At least it's in the trailer. I'm I don't I. Don't really remember if he made it in the movie about the one girl wearing a bra. That oh yeah, he, he did make it in the movie. Oh, he did in the movie. Yeah, he, oh, did he the made it in the movie. Yeah, He's right. like, yeah, wear, wear a bra, bra next, time, next time, Miss So and So. Yeah, that won't get you an A or yeah, passing grade or whatever. Like, okay, so let's get this straight. <laughs> and then we cut to him getting this offer to go to Brendel. <sighs> I like. His anti-authoritarian character, like I like, the, and and that's one thing about Jim Belushi, and I think especially in this time period, and you know, forget the whole according to Jim, you know, other than what right. was her name, different one, style. Other different. than the fact that the girl who played his wife is like, give me a break, like that would happen in a million freaking years. Was it Courtney <laughs> Thorne Smith? 
like, yeah, okay, I buy that one for a dollar. <laughs> um, so the you know, and Jim Belushi's always been kind of a a rotund gentleman. Uh, this one he's he's less rotund, but he was you know always you know stout. He's stout, not thick boned, you know. Thick. And and, uh, and and as a a former thick boned gentleman myself, I you know I can make that observation and yeah, you know, right. you know, whatever. So, Mr. Belushi, though I have come to the determination, is far less reminiscent of his older brother John, and actually is to me more of a more crazy dangerous, creepy version and, and slightly more bloated version of 80s Bill Murray. Like, he's trying... Like, did you always get that vibe? Like, it's sort of like if you put Bill Murray and he was going to be more of a quote-unquote action-y kind of guy and, like, do more fighting, less talking. Like, that's the vibe I get from him. That he's always trying to... He's always got that kind of, you know, one-liners and the, you know, the... the you, it, it just that's the vibe I get from him. Yeah, I, I think that I, I like Jim. I like Jim Belushi in general. Uh-huh. I think he's he's funny, and I liked him in According to Jim. And you know, there's there's a couple of things that I was really I liked. His By the way, comedy. ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening right now, I rest my case. Go ahead. Well, Jim. you know, he's not awful. I mean, I I I, no, like I don't him. mean liking he's, him. I meant liking According to Jim. Oh, you you didn't like it at all? Eh, no, it was it was not like Two and a Half Men bad, like where I literally would like force myself to try and laugh just to see if it was possible for me to even muster a laugh. <laughs> I really remember. I remember there was one episode of Two, two Half Men. It would be like a flip through channel. Okay, okay, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to laugh, and I would watch it, <laughs> and I'm trying. I'm like, okay, that's going to be funny because I like John Cryer. Ah, nothing. <laughs> and I did that for like twenty something minutes straight, and I gave up. According to Jim, I occasionally, I occasionally did the, <laughs> yeah, that kind of you know, thing. It, it wasn't ridiculously funny, but it was, you know, it was, it was. Cute. I, I kind of like the funniest it, but... thing about it was the idea that Courtney Thorne Smith would be his wife. But go yeah. ahead. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I like him a, 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 in general as a comedian. And, you know, I think he's got some funny bits and stuff. But in this, it seemed like he was his. I don't know if it was his delivery or if it was the lines or it felt like the tone of the movie and him trying to be funny didn't match up. So. There were parts where he was like trying to deliver these kind of comedic one-liners, and it just didn't jive with the movies. Does that make sense? Yes, and I think I uh, let me just get this out of the way right now. I've seen this movie. This is like the sixth or seventh time I've seen this movie because when I was a teacher, uh, my wife and I we would come home from work. She was a teacher as well, and let's just say occasionally on a weekend, we had a small library of movies that involved schools and violence, <laughs> and it was a very cathartic. Release for us to say, watch the principal, right. or you know, hypothetically one eight seven, or um, I'm trying to think. Uh, right. So you know, stand those, by me, or well, you know, yeah, stand and deliver. Yeah, you know, well, yeah, yeah. Stand and deliver is too way too inspirational. Um, no, <laughs> we preferred the ones where some sort of violence, uh, dangerous minds. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. There's a whole they lean on me to some degree. Although again, that was kind of a. Other than it's fun to say they used to call him a crazy Joe. Now they can call him a Batman. Um, but yeah, movies like that. Oh, the substitute. Yeah, one, two, three, and four. <laughs> movies like that. <laughs> so no, I get it. We're living vicariously pretty through much. Uh, violent teacher movies. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> I'm mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take it anymore. So 
this movie I've seen multiple times and I enjoy it, but I can totally acknowledge it is far from a perfect movie. Now, did you, you do know who directed it, right? Yeah, it was Christopher Kane. Which he did. Well, we've covered he did Young Guns. Yes. But we also talked about that he did the next Karate Kid. Oh, okay, well, I was trying to block that one out. That was the girl Karate Kid. Mm, Yeah, it was one with, um, it was Hilary Swank, right? Yes. Hmm. Good call. So. Hey, he did Young Guns. He did Young Guns, yes. (laughs) Yes, he did Young Guns. So as soon as I saw the name, I'm like, why do I know that name? Why do I know that name? And then, of course, I had to look it up. I was like, oh, he did Young Guns. So. I feel as if this movie was a little confused in its identity because on one hand you have the subject matter of an obviously mentally unstable individual who has a drinking problem, violence issues, is going to this inner city school. So you have this whole racial dynamic, socioeconomic dynamic. You have the, you know, the teacher being, you know, borderline i mean I, I guess she you know she was she was attacked i mean i don't know if he full-on raped her raped her i mean definitely you know almost trying got, to i don't think he actually did but yeah, yeah. Was, i think it was insinuated he got really close yeah he was definitely a, it was definitely full-on sexual assault and uh, you know so you had all these like themes that you know and and some pretty some actually pretty dark moments so i think the problem it's not that they shouldn't have had humor in it i think though the point you're making is they it felt kind of like cheap humor like it, it, it's the yes. one-liners. It's the don't be wrong. I love. I I still get jacked up at the part where he goes, "My turn." But the yeah, but but I'm talking like the things like he's trying to be. He's trying to like even when he's up to the uh he at one point he decides uh he's going to shake things up. So he calls all the teachers. Uh, well, they're all in the lounge and uh, they're all looking like I assume teachers do in the lounge. Like someone has sucked the life force out of them and they're sitting there trying to suck an entire cigarette that's what most teachers look like while they're still sleeping well you know i got it um so he tells them all get everybody in the auditorium right now i gotta talk to him and the teachers are like no are you crazy you know what that's gonna do so he's like i don't care and so they get all in there and he does his famous no more speech yes no more but then he like he's trying it's almost like he's doing a bit of a stand-up because he's like you know, no more rape and and burglary and, and pillaging, and larceny, and... or whatever else you major in here. Whoa, <laughs> you know, it's like um, it it seems like some of the cheap humor really didn't fit. Now, honestly, I felt like if they had pulled out some of that uh, that cheap humor, it would have just been a good drama. Yeah, you know, and so the they little were things trying like to ride, turn, they were trying to ride. They were trying but, to ride the line. They were trying to make it. As I think not as much of a comedy, but they were definitely trying to play up the comedic tone because because it was so dark. Now, the other thing is about this movie is I really forget how many F-bombs are in it. Like, oh, my God. It's yeah. like it's like Especially I think to start it. Oh, I know. And, and uh, honestly, it's and again, I'm certainly no prude when it you know it comes to that. Oh. But it, it was just funny because like that's the same year Lethal Weapon came out. And Lethal Weapon is definitely a harder edged R movie. And I mean, I think this movie could when it comes to that stuff could hold its own. Um and obviously you had you know, a lot of violence involving you know teens and things of that nature. And I still find the whole situation that happens with Emil, the, the one kid that he kind of has a little breakthrough with. And it's so like it's so after school special. You can see it coming a mile away. Yes. So there's this one kid. His name is Emil. He's sort of this big uh, kid and he's part of Victor's gang. And, you know, he gets he's in, you know, it's sort of like he's going along with the crowd. But you could tell that there's, you know, he's really a smart kid, has potential. So he's even involved in the uh, 
the jumping of Rick at one point um, when he gets the snot beat out of him. But they actually kind of pause on his face. For yeah, a like you can see, he actually feels bad about it. Yeah, but he's got yeah, he's got remorse. He doesn't yeah. like it, and so later at some point, he stands up to Victor and says, "No, I'm not going to do this." Yeah, because he wanted him. I think he said he was he basically was pressuring him to kill somebody. And right. So he was like, "I'm look, I'm not going this far." And he also wouldn't write the note that led the uh, teacher that Radon Chong plays, whose name is escaping me at the moment. He does not have. He doesn't write the note that Hillary Hillary Orozco. Yeah, Orozco. That was Mr. Orozco. Mrs. Orozco. Yeah. That is used to get her to stay after school and and so that white Zach can uh, try to rape her. And and so obviously this is a character that has integrity and dignity and he's a decent kid. And so a little later on, he and Mr. Uh, Latimer have this exchange and you see he has a breakthrough. And, oh, this kid is going to he's going to change. It's going to it's going to happen for him. The future's bright. Cut to (laughs) Miss. Wait. Now, now you know what you know where the moment the breakthrough happened, right? Did you see the spark? The moment when it actually hit. I'm, I well, I mean, are you talking about the conversation between them? Yeah. Like what Latimer says to get it. He's on his motorcycle. He follows up behind him, right? Mm-hmm. Jim Belushi's on the motorcycle. Yep. He's there. Mm-hmm. What happened when he went up high? Down low. Too slow. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because well, well, what it is is the kid, you know, what it is is the kid has a moment where he's actually just a kid and he's being, you know, there's an innocence to him. So he's not, you know, I, I'm sure all the horrible, crappy, just shit that he sees on a daily basis, the character would have seen on a daily basis, you know, just having this goofball principal, you know, messing with him, kind of playing with him, just being, you know, goofy and and, and, and not being threatened by him. You know, probably had had, a, and I liked it. I mean, I thought that kid was a good actor too. I can't remember his name, but can't remember anybody's name tonight, Jay. So, you know, I I I liked that whole you know back and forth. But then you so know it's coming because oh, he yeah. he apparently dropped out of Victor's gang, and cut to Latimer comes in the school early. He hears a no- <laughs> horrible. Here's a noise. Boom! Through a skylight comes Emil with a rope tied around his ankles busted to hell half dead you know and that's of course then when rick goes on a bender and has like 83 shots of jim beam and then gets on his motorcycle and drives to said hospital that ha- has a meal in it <laughs> yeah so but it, it was definitely uh telegraphed you yes there was, was you do something bad was going to happen to me would he be killed in it was, you know what it reminded me of in boys in the hood because yeah. boys in the hood is, is a great film but the the build up where there's a character without I don't give anything away but has this really bright future and they really make a big deal about it <laughs> but you kind of know something really crappy is going to happen right. and it does so yeah it was it was a little like that and but it's funny I remember when I first saw this movie years ago like how much that bothered me just because like come on man it's like the kids like gonna do something <laughs> like yeah. damn it why and uh. You know, so but it has moments like that, and then of course you have the the white sack. What a douche nozzle! Um, <laughs> when 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 Latimer first shows up at the school, that actually Emil is one of them. It's one of the kids uh, along with this kid named White Zach. Who wait for it, wait for it. He's white. Creative names, I must say. I know. So and Black Emil, right? What's that? Way. No, it wasn't Black Emil. No, just Emil, <laughs> but White Zach. Baby Emil. Yeah. So. <laughs> So White Zach and Emil, they're fighting because I guess White Zach. Oh, here's what was interesting. Apparently, Emil actually always seemed like he was part of a gang because there was, in fact, other kids. They kept referring to White Zach's gang, but. He was of, always alone. 
color me confused. No pun intended. White Zach. Um, yeah, because they were talking about trying to. Uh, at one point, the conspiracy was uh, White Zach was going to do that to the teacher, but that was it, doing it for Vincent so that they could somehow. Well, they were ultimately going to join. Yeah, they're going to join forces. The whites yeah. and the blacks. Yeah, yeah. Well, because what it was, I guess White and Zach initially his gang, quote unquote, because again, never saw it, <laughs> was going to was coming into the school to take over. Uh, Duncan's drug territory. So yeah. what ends up happening is, I guess, uh, Mr. Roscoe embarrasses uh, White Zach, you know, questions his manhood or whatever in front of everybody. She doesn't really. I mean, she kind of calls him out for eh, making she fun basically of a kid, said but... he. Well, she basically said that he had uh, firsthand knowledge of sticking his tongue so far up Victor's uh, ass that uh, he could taste his breakfast. Yeah. So I'd say, you know, he apparently didn't like that. Probably because, in fact, it was true. Because the truth hurts, <laughs> don't it, White Zach? And he wants to get back at her, which I mean, you know, of course, because you know, somebody says something mean to you, you uh, you basically rape. That's what that's. That, I mean, that just that seems logical. The logical next step that you would just make this insane leap that you know, give me a break, what an ass. Well, you would for if your name was White, White Zach, Zach, and you were and you had <laughs> yeah, and your greasy ass hair. So he. <laughs> Ends up having somebody from he gets basically with Victor as it turns out, like you were saying, and he says, "Oh, well, you know, we'll join forces, but you just help me get this, you know, whatever, and and blah blah blah." So White Zach goes into this, and it's actually a kind of an intense, you know, scary setup scene where you you don't really know who it is at first. Actually, you know, if you if you haven't seen the movie, mask, he's got a yeah. ski mask. You see the feet come down to the 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 bathroom stall, step on the cigarette, which everybody in this movie smokes. And you know, he she real. I think she because she, she's comparing the notes because the note was supposedly from um, Emil. A, Emil, yes. And she compares it to Emil's handwriting. It's like, oh, that ain't Emil. And she starts to leave. Up oh, sees this creepy guy in the ski mask. He chases her back to the classroom. You know, all sorts of uh, horrible things ensue. Yes. And then love the moment when Rick, who is downstairs talking to uh, the kid who is in love, and again, names completely brain farting like a son of a bitch today. Um, Who's the kid? Arturo, the little kid? Yes, Arturo. There he is. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he he and Arturo were talking, and they hear her. Actually, she throws the uh, stool through a window. They go run. He actually takes his motorcycle and goes into the school with it. And up the... The stair- staircase. Y- yes, and just <laughs> and then the and be- well, what I love is I'll give Victor this much. At least he had his chorus line dance move. White Zach is a punk ass. I mean, he is a punk ass, punk ass, punk yeah. ass bitch yeah. in his fighting because he didn't even get a lick in at any point in this movie. No, like he just Latimer Latimer just cleans uh, cleans the floor with him. Uh, a little later on in the movie, he is, this, I guess, jump bail and ends up back in the school. And when the real big fight's going down, I love that moment. He's hiding with a crowbar behind a locker. And Louis Gossett Jr., who we haven't even addressed yet, uh, is coming down the hall. And he takes a swing at him. He just kind of steps back, gets that look on his face, and just, boom, <laughs> knocks him out. Cracks him right in the head and then dumps him in a window. Him through a window. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was great. Just like, oh, get out of my way. Like, just. <laughs> so, but at the very beginning, he and Emil, back to that point, he and Emil are. Sort of the welcome wagon, would you say, for Principal Latimer? Yes, because they're the first fight he comes across. Yes, and they're like, you know, and, and, and it's, at the time it seems like uh, White Zach's more of a victim because the, the gang has got a car and they're trying to run him down. and so. Yep, yep. But he has a meal and he has this kid. Well, let me explain something real quick, Jay. And I, I'm pretty sure I've told you this story. don't know if I've ever said it on the show before about my very first day as an English teacher. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever said it on the show. 
I don't think so. You okay. told me. Yes. So my very first day as an English teacher, eighth grade, middle school, I, I mean, if you're in other parts of the world, it's basically 13, 14, or in the case of these two gentlemen that came into my sixth period class late, late on the first day of school, they were going to be 18 that summer. So Eighth grade, 18. Yeah, where, whereas normally eighth grade is, like I said, 13-ish. Yeah. So, anywho, they uh, came in because, as it turns out, the teacher I had replaced the year before had very much um, a, a situation like the substitute in the pr- the principal, which I'm confusing things now because there was a movie called The Substitute, but there's actually a substitute teacher in the principal that comes barreling down the hall and says, you can't pay someone enough to teach at this school, blah, blah, blah. And runs off. Yes. Yep. Well, that teacher that I replaced had that same sort of experience. Um, mainly no because, well, he had a student uh, punch him in the face and break his nose. Yeah. Well, apparently, um, these two gentlemen had been friends with said student and thought I was the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. So, literally, I think, I don't know what I was the most infuriated by. That A, they literally came into the classroom screaming and yelling and like, Whoa, hey! they get smacking crap. I mean, knocking things down. Or the fact that it was the first damn day of school and they didn't even have the good sense to size me up first. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's always like I was just disappointed in their lack of preparation and reconnaissance. Like, really? <laughs> really? You don't even come in just to make sure, like, oh, let's figure this guy out. What can we do? What can we, how we can get him? At least plan it a little bit, you moron. <laughs> so I'll never forget the one kid who thought he was Eminem, but nothing, in fact, like Eminem. Um, and uh, uh, coincidentally, um, has your name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he uh, and this other kid who ended up being a kid who was one of my favorite students, although, again, pushing 18 in the eighth grade, he had his issues. Uh, what, his name was Mixmaster J. It was. Um, yes. And Grandmaster um, Flashulence. And I, I'll never forget. I took them outside. <laughs> And in hindsight, it's always twenty twenty kids. Uh, there's a reason why I'm not a teacher anymore. Uh, I pretty much went like drill instructor on their asses and was like, maybe a quarter inch nose to nose. And just like if I could have had the green sort of sergeant, you know, the little cap that they wear kind of pressed down over my brow, you know, over, over my eyelids. That's the only way it would have been more perfect. It was literally a major <laughs> pain moment. You know, what we have here, you know, and, and just in their face, you know, you will never come in my classroom again. What is your major malfunction? Just the, the whole thing. And uh, they came in. They actually were very docile for the rest of the year. So my point was made. <laughs> um, I just I just couldn't get the first day of school. Really? Really? You can't. Uh, anyway, so it's I could, obviously five years of being held back. They cared about school. I know. Yeah, <laughs> apparently. So needless so to the big say, the question is. Did you do 15 shots before I, you went I in? I, in fact, could only muster up 13. <laughs> but that's because I was spending more time trying to load my revolver. And I, was just, I guess. And, you so, know, once you get past 13. So. <laughs> it was for, The revolver was potentially for me, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I couldn't help but think of you throughout watching this entire movie. Because I think I've seen it probably twice. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those movies that was, like, on HBO a lot. You would just kind of have it on in the background yeah, I, I yeah feel, you know. nothing that ever really uh grabbed my attention but you know for this i wanted to really really pay attention to it and so i watched it two things struck me about this movie uh and i mean struck me like a baseball bat to the proverbial solar plexus yes okay um first of all um i understand that the whole kind of 
premise or storyline of the movie is you have a story of redemption. Yes. It's redemption of this uh, this guy who has caused his own hard luck and he's, he's made some bad choices. And so it sort of led him to this bad situation. Uh, a couple of issues with that. Number one, whenever you build a character up that has to have some kind of massive redemption, you have to have him uh, do things that are redeemable. Mm-hmm. So uh, things that are understandable, things that, uh, you know what, there but for the grace of God go I. You have to have the, the person who watches the movie think, it, it could very easily be me. A couple of little mistakes, a couple of little things that have happened, and it led me there, or something of that nature. I could excuse the drinking, and he was distant from his wife, so she left him, and she ended up with another guy. I mean, you, you kind of built that. Uh, so first of all, the issue of him kind of looking up the girl's skirts they easily could have cut that tiny little piece out and that would have made it a little bit better, a a lot better actually, Uh, because that's not really a redeemable thing. Uh, Oh, were you waiting for me to respond? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Oh, oh, yeah, you're right. That is wildly inappropriate. Bad. bad. Well, you know, it's mainly bad because her legs were crossed. (laughs) I kid, I kid. This is the 69th episode in case I forgot to mention it. Yeah, but, but, but even not so much that, because that was I, I so would, I would say that could have been attributed, because this, he kind of jerked the binoculars. It's not like he was like, like oh, oh, yeah, that's what I was looking for. It was more like, I, I seem to, some, doesn't something kind of jerk his attention away? Isn't that the, what No, he he's just kind of scanning the And it just kind of falls on her knee. It's not like he audience. was aiming for it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So that was minimal. That was not that big. But the other thing for me was the fact that he he pretty much continued to be an irresponsible drunk. Now. At least in the beginning, why when he first arrived, why are you such a Why are you such a judgmental prick? <laughs> but every single time he goes to the bar, he drinks excessively. And yeah. then at this one point, when he has a, 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 you know, it's when Emil gets attacked and and he feels responsible, uh, you know, and the kids, poor kids, hang in there, and he has this very dramatic moment where he's screaming for help, trying to free the kid from the ropes, and. Uh, then the next shot they show is him making a pyramid of empty upside down shot glasses. Mm-hmm. There had to literally be like 15 shots in that little pyramid thing, right? Because uh-huh. he tries to put the last one on top because that's the next shot, and he like uh, crashes them down, and then uh, he's mad, so he you know gets up and smashes something, and then he kind of staggers over to the stairs, and he, they're apparently showing that he's closing down the bar because. Um, he's the last person there. All the chairs are turned upside down. So he grabs some chairs. And, and boy, was that a passive bar staff or what? I mean, he's like yeah, breaking well, he's glasses. Smashing shit. Yeah, and, and, and they're, they're just like, standing there, kind of watching, just shaking their heads, like yeah, oh. they're not doing anything. You know, I imagine the bartender <laughs> behind the bar, like slowly getting oh, out. Oh, great! I got to clean up another mess. <laughs> right? Okay. So, but he's staggered. Literally, he can't walk. Smashes stuff and bang stuff and goes outside. Because I get that they were trying to build up the drama and he was feel guilty and he was punishing himself and drink. Then he jumps on his motorcycle. Now I sat there and thought, I, I, cause you know, I, I had a motorcycle for a while and, uh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, had... this is the point where Jason is trying to impress you with his street cred. Go ahead, Jay. <laughs> I actually had that. Exact... You want to tell him about your Mickey mouse, uh, tramp stamp. <laughs> we don't talk about that anymore. Aim for between the ears, boys. Aim. <laughs> Uh, um, I actually had that exact motorcycle that he had. Did you really? 
Did it, did it say El Principal? I did not. Damn. I did not get the cool street cred graffiti on my tank God. that he had. But um, yes, did I you had say, his did you say, motorcycle. Did you say La Pussy? <laughs> or <laughs> El Wimpo? El <laughs> maybe, Monkey Man? El, el, el Yeti. That's oh, what wait, I am. No. I was El Yeti. El Duche. Is it El Duche? No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, no. Uh, El Yeti, thank you. El um, Yeti. So, but he gets on it now. At first, I'm like, okay, the back of a not... man yak. <laughs> what? <laughs> the back of a man yak. Go ahead. No. <laughs> <laughs> he gets on it and he just starts riding off. I'm like, okay, he's hammered and can't walk. He's not going to ride that so straight. And then he's doing fine. And then if you pay attention, oh, he runs two stop signs. <laughs> Okay, but let's just go back because because to me, here's the thing. Your whole point was about redemption. I think that that may have been the implied character arc, but they really failed miserably if that's what they were really trying that's, to go for. That's what I mean. Because I don't think like that's what you're trying to do. You can it have characters not... do horrible things, horrible things, and if we connect with them and relate to them, and we truly see a like, you can have a character go from just doing. I mean. Way worse than you know checking out a, a yeah, teen yeah. student's no, killing. Legs. I mean, we can, yeah, we yeah, can, killing we can killing accept... and maiming and torture yes. a horrible human being doing horrible things to other human beings. But if we get a proper you know setup and set of circumstances and we see yep. true remorse and we have those private moments alone with that character and we see the growth, then that's fine. But to me, this movie never had that. This movie was more if you want to give it any cred for for anything character wise would be about seeing his arc from an irresponsible completely irresponsible childish peter pan complex louse to a kid to a guy who at least tries to make a difference in the lives of some of these kids and doesn't quit on them like that was it was yeah it was well it was he was still a uh bullheaded ass yes he was um he was just getting more machismo the whole time. Like, yeah, it was, was more like that. What it is. Yeah, it was less it was less about him connecting with the kids. I think there was a few that he did, but you kind of got the vibe that other than maybe a meal, he would have connected with them anyway. And he connected with a meal less through the machismo thing and more just from, you know, kind of being a little real and down to earth with him. But it didn't even really connect. I mean, there was just that one moment. Well, yeah, so that way you went a meal fell through the skylight. Right. You felt it something. Was... Not that that's contrived or anything. Yeah, I felt like he connected with the the um, the girl character Trina. Yes, and actually, I wanted uh, to bring her up briefly, but but real quick. But I was going to say your your point about the driving. My beef with it isn't so much that that's irredeemable, because again, you can have a movie where right. the premise starts off with a main character. Oh, look at uh, we were just talking about regarding Henry today, which I'm really hoping that wasn't your pick. Um, <laughs> we no, just, uh, we, <laughs> no, it wasn't. We were. I don't know why it would be, because I don't think there's any connection at all. I don't, I don't see, but I could probably find one. I'm but, sure we could if we dug deep. The grip. They had the same grip and the best boy, the gaffer. It's the same gaffer. Uh, in that movie, the guy's a total just dickwad, basically, at the beginning. And then, you know, something happens to him and the character goes through this massive transformation. So, you know, it's not with, you're certainly without precedent of, of having a character that does horrible things. The problem I've got with the bike thing is he wouldn't have been able to pick, you know, drive. Like he would have taken like 10 feet and the bike would have fallen over. They're, they're, as drunk as he was, he couldn't walk. In a remotely straight no, line. No, you know what I was waiting for? What should have happened? He should have got on that, got outside, got on that bike, and it should have been a Pee Wee Herman moment on the motorcycle. <laughs> Remember when Pee Wee Herman is at the biker bar? Yeah. And they're like, ride, Pee Wee. And he's like, 
I'm a loner. And he goes yeah, right, right through, off, the, right like, through the billboard. Yes. He swerves yeah. back and forth and crashes. Yeah, right that's exactly what it should have been. Yes, that's what it that's was. What it was so unbelievable. That's, it was so unbelievable that you would be able to drive. like Because they even go so far as when he gets under the elevator at the hospital. He's still so drunk. He's like talking to the door. And like, yeah, yeah, bye. Yeah. yeah, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, son of a bitch and yeah. door. So anyway, yes, Trina. <laughs> I actually, I really like that actress, Kelly Jo Mint. Mint I think it's Mintner. She yes. was in quite a few of my personal favorites. Uh, I, I'm a fan of, I will admit it, all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Even yep, yep, Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare that I saw in 3D. And it was really awesome because only like the last three minutes of it were in actual 3D. I think there was a couple points throughout the movie. And they literally would like, put your glasses on now. Something would flash. You'd put them Throw on. something at you. <laughs> and literally, and like, and like the, uh, the, this, this, uh, the Yafet Kodo character would like take a baseball bat and kind of push it at this camera. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that kind of thing. So, so yes, I like all of them. She was in Nightmare on Elm Street 5. And she was in one of my all-time personal favorites, People Under the Stairs. She was, yeah, she was full Ooh. sister. And, and did you catch it? What does she call Mr. Latimer? The second time. Oh, she turned, does. Yeah, she, she does. Goes, call she goes full. Yeah. I was like, yep, yeah, there it is. See? Yeah. But yeah, I like her. She's kind of got that spunky, you know, sort of vibe to her. And she's likable. Well, and, and she seems and real. That was the one part where I thought they were actually going in the right direction. But they kind of dropped that storyline. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Like, yeah. They, that could have been a, rede- a redemption type of that story. That could have been yeah. his moment. Because the whole point was, you know, she's this bad seat at school selling drugs. He busts her, throws the Drugs in the toilet, flushes it. She drops out of school. So he goes to her house, uh, you know, apparently in the middle of the ghetto, and he's all scared because he's this white boy in jeans and tennis shoes and a leather jacket uh, going into what looks like projects, you know, this, this apartment complex. He acted and, way more scared of that area than he did of the school, which I don't yes, quite get. which was not nearly as scary as the school was supposed to look. Yeah, know, and he but, would go there, like, before the damn sun was up. I'm like, what is this guy's problem? <laughs> right. <laughs> but he shows up, and, you know, it, the story is basically that – you know, his high school girl, uh, who's a couple of months away from graduation, he said, has a young son who looks, I don't know, four, three? Three to four, right. yeah. Um, so has a young son, and so she needs to make money for him, and, and he doesn't understand. And so he basically says, you meet me at 6 a.m., I will tutor you. And yeah, guess what she does, so that she doesn't drop out of school, yeah. Right, because he really – so that – they started to go that route. And then the first time that, that he meets her is when she actually set him up. And that's when Victor's boys come in, wrap towel around his head. And you know the problem I have with that, Jason? The real problem I had with that whole moment is that she actually... Now, I guess the idea you could look back and say, well, she she looks back at him and said, my, my little Charles kept asking about you. Like, that was that was her reason why she did she showed up. Although, we, as it turns out, like you said, it was a setup. But my problem with that whole thing is she knows it's a setup. She knows what's going to happen. This guy, he might even get killed. Why right. would she even tell him that? Why would she be like, yeah, I go to the bathroom, I'll be right back, and like, just leave? Like, why would she right. even try? Well, and it, and it made her character seem a lot more cold and callous, and there was no connection there. Um, but then, you know, he shows up the next day or, you know, a couple days and says, uh, or no, it was really kind of the next day. Yeah, because he was Victor all busted owe, up. You know, pay yeah. you for, to do that? And he said, you better be there tomorrow because I'm going to be there waiting for yeah, you Yeah, like he's not going to so, quit on her. Right. And Don't so you that quit actually on was me. Like, oh, okay, cool. But then that was it. I mean, they really never got back to no, her too much. Really. And yeah. So it there were there were a couple of moments they could have really done something cool with it, and it just kind of yeah. Fell. I think the only reason I could come up with that she told him that it wasn't so much that she was cold. It was supposed to be. I think it was supposed to be kind of this sadness, like she had to yeah. do it for the money. Her son was yep. talking about it. She feels bad, and this is you know it's not really a warning or a heads up or anything, but it was like that, like she might be th- having second thoughts, and then so I, I guess you could read it that way. I just thought it was like. 
odd. Like her reaction yeah. was odd. And speaking of yeah. that, there was a scene between Victor and Latimer where they're in the stairwell and they're completely alone. And, La- and uh, Victor makes a comment to him, I could blow you away anytime I want. And he goes, hey, tough guy, do it right now. And then Latimer proceeds to do his thing that he ends up, that works with Emil, which is that whole, I'm going to try and connect with you. And Victor, it's a good moment, I thought, where Victor's like, you know, you, you know, are you trying to reach me? He goes, you know, don't don't bother, basically. But if you try, if you're trying to reach me, I'll just cut your hand. Off. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and he, he said it in such a melancholy way that it was almost like there was a sadness to it. It was almost like a please help me. Yeah, that's what I liked. You know, well, like. Well, it was a bad guy. I don't necessarily know there was anymore. a please help me. I think it was just this little like you. I think you're right. I think it was a sad, like a melancholy sadness. Yeah. It was a hopeless. I'm beyond it was help. Hopeless. It, it was almost like. Yeah, hopeless. Yeah. He's like, it's like, like I and, and and did you almost get a vibe? Because he was like, he was trying to give Latimer a chance, and I like that. I like that they didn't just make the yes. character one dimensional. Oh, he's just a bad guy. He's a drug dealer. I like that there was this sense of well, they started that way, <laughs> or they at least were going down that route. But then it pretty much just oh yeah, totally. That, they they that only gave the him end. that one scene to try and be one dimension. I mean, more than one. And dimensional. then they made him back to a regular one dimensional bad guy. Yes, they did. But I did like that they at least tried on some level. Um, yeah. And we would be remiss if we did not mention. I say that a lot. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure we're always remiss. We rem- we forget. You're something. a miss. I'm uh, not a miss. I'm yeah. a mister. I said remiss. As in, like remix. Nah, anyway, no, we would be negligent. Dumbass. We would be. Well, well, that's a given. We would be. Dumbasses. We would definitely be negligent if we did not mention the great Louis Gossett Jr., who yeah. pretty much is the same guy in every movie, and I do not care because he's freaking awesome. Yeah, and and I will say as much as the you know a lot of this movie was kind of meh uh, for me, he was as he normally he's is. He's chappy, dude. He's chappy from Iron Eagle. He's phenomenal. Yeah, he was really. We gotta good. Do I Iron love Eagle. his we acting gotta, we gotta style. Do, we got to do Iron Eagle, by the way. Um, he was awesome in this. He was fantastic. What, he was, what, what the hell was that? You don't like Iron Eagle? No, I said I. I said I love Iron Eagle. We oh no, you must have dropped out on Skype because I didn't hear that. I just heard oh, yeah, silence. No. I'm like, what? And then you went. Uh, and you kind of kept talking. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, I love it. I've, I've That's definitely... Tim Thomerson in it. And Louis Gossett Jr. And friggin' Jason Gedrick jamming out to like 80s power ballads as he flies a, a, an F-16 and and, and In blows his up. Walkman. Yeah, things. It's freaking awesome. Yeah, we do. I like that movie way better than Top Gun when I was a kid. Way better. I like Firefox better than both. But... I've never seen Firefox. Really? Never. I like it. I think uh, it's Clint Eastwood. I think the effects are horrible, though. I, I've seen cl- enough clips of it within the last couple of years. The effects well, the, are just the only, god only awful. effects there are is when he's flying. Yeah, but it's god awful. It's like yeah. what? Yeah. Like this couldn't have even looked good in '82, guys. Come on. It wasn't that bad. It was kind of flight of the navigator. And that movie and the best little whorehouse in Texas to this day. I can remember going to the cable company with my mom to pay our bill. We had HBO. This has been like. Right, I guess eighty two, eighty three, because right. those both of those came out in eighty two, so maybe eighty three, and I guess they were going to be on HBO, premiering on HBO. And they actually had posters up for those two, <laughs> and for some reason, to this day, I can remember. Well, I know I remember the best little whorehouse. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is episode sixty nine. So, yeah. So, Jay, um, any other uh, words of wisdom, things you'd like to say about? Uh, yeah, I got one, principal. yeah, I got one more thing I wanted to talk about this because the movie starts out with the song you played at the uh, in the intro of the, the show. Strafe. Oh, wait, you mean this one? Well, this is the montage song, right? 
know. It's like the beginning of the movie. Well, they played during the montage, too. Oh, oh that's right. They played during the You guys can totally see Jason right now. Like with just take take like he's got his hands on his knees and he's kind of doing that ass bumping thing. You know, you can totally picture that. You know, hey, listen, I'm the whitest white bread suburbanite that you'll ever meet. But I was a total who's also part Yeti. It was I am part Yeti, white haired Yeti. And uh, uh, I was such an 80s rap. Lo- I I have a whole I had a whole collection. That was a big one. And by so. collection, he means all of Vanilla Ice's songs, uh. <laughs> all of MC Hammer's songs. Hey. I had, and you got to ask your friends to see if anybody, I had actually had Schoolie D LPs. Thank you very much. That's impressive, Jason. But one thing that wasn't impressive is when, um, I don't know, hypothetically, if I wanted to say a movie came from, say, 1989, a number, another summer, get down to the sound of the funky drama. And Jason says, what's that? Uh, what? So apparently political, socially conscious rap, you had nothing to do with. I don't listen. To but if words. Blondie gets with Fab Five Freddy, you're all up in that. If Slick Rick comes to town, you're all up. If the Gucci crew comes to town, you're hey, all over Blondie that. Blondie don't got a motor in the back of her Honda. My Anaconda okay, don't rest, want I, none unless you got buns. Huh? I love Mix-A-Lot. I prefer buttermilk biscuits, though, to what you just did. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to say... That it's sad you didn't know Public Enemy. That ah. makes that makes me die a little bit inside. Oh, uh, and maybe it was just your rendition of it. How's that? Oh well, <laughs> there is that. <laughs> but I did love that. But the but the part here's the part that disconnected for me. They play that at the beginning, so I'm expecting some more, you know, Ice T or you know something from that era to be the soundtrack type stuff. Mm-hmm. Instead, you thought this was going to be Colors with Robert Duvall and Sean Penn. Well, you know, something more musically similar. Yes. But then, like, the chase scene when, at one point, uh, 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 Principal Latimer uh, follows. They, uh, You know what they played? They played the A-Team slash MacGyver slash Knight Rider chase music. It was music. 80s saxophone. Yes, it, like, was, it was like an 80s TV drama. TV show, yeah. Yeah, where, where you have the sequence where the characters are running away from something or, or they're getting ready for something, and you play the kind of up-tempo but slightly dark, and but kind of up-tempo. Saxophone. Yeah. Saxophone, so it gets a jazz sort of vibe to it. Because I'll tell you what, nothing says on the edge like smooth <laughs> jazz, which I like jazz, <laughs> but I'm just saying. <clears throat> so I'd like to point out, because I, I heard that and I thought, God, that just that just does not work. I Who did the music? What else did he? The guy that did the music for this movie? Yes. Yeah, also did the music for 30-something, the TV series. And there it is. And there it is. Would you like to do our movie picks? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, Jay, so what is your pick? So I'm not going to tell you. Wow, You're going to guess. That's helpful. Thanks. <laughs> um, okay. Are you I'll start. Wait, wait. I'm going to start with the films of Edison. Man smoking cigarette. 
Oh, let's go a little for that. Great Train Robbery. Nope, keep going. Uh, is it a D.W. Griffith film? No. <laughs> Eisenstein. I'm Fr- going to give Fritz you a Long. Hand, I'm, I'm trying to move up as fast as I can here. Fritz Long. <laughs> George Cooker. Um, Howard Hawks. Nope. Okay, I got nothing. What do you got? You're close. Oh, okay. You're close. <clears throat> that as I walk through the valley of the shadow of dangerous death, minds. I take a look at my life and realize just, uh, da- there's da- nothing da- left. Dangerous, I've dang- been blasting and laughing so long. Dangerous that minds, even my Coolio. mama thinks that my mind is gone. But I ain't never crossed a man that didn't deserve it. Me be treated like a punk. You know that's unheard of. You better watch how you're talking and where you're walking. And you and your homies might be lying in chalk. I really hate the trip, but I got to lope. As you croak, I see myself in the pistol smoke. Fool, I'm the kind of G the little homies want to be like on my knees in the night, saying oh, prayers in oh, the street light. J- Jason's Been definitely on his knees in the night. In- <laughs> and I'd like to point out, I at least stopped after one line. <laughs> I love that song. I will not apologize for it. Damn it. Let it be known. Doesn't know Public Enemy, but knows every word. The gangsters paradise. Gangsters paradise. So yes, if you haven't guessed, uh, <laughs> and you're now weeping in, in sorrow for having turned this podcast on, um, I chose Dangerous Minds with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Who it's a similar story in that she's kind of a outcast. Kind but of. She's a hot blonde who totally can hold her own. She's a hot in, blonde in her city school. Yeah. Uh, who impresses them with karate and Bob Dylan? <laughs> so yep. I guess uh, she's cool now but it's a similar kind of story it's the it's it's there's so many in this genre i actually thought as i was watching the principal that there are so many movies that are in this all it takes is a teacher to go in there and act like they care a little bit or that hey i'm i'm rough like you and get badass and then suddenly the kids all respect them and it always all of them always seem to me so ridiculously oversimplified yeah that oh it was just, there were stereotypes yeah, but they that they weren't even connectable. But at least this one, I like Michelle Pfeiffer's uh, acting in this and her character, and she does kind of play off a good badass more so than I think Jim Belushi did. By the way, good pick, Jay. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. And it's 1995, in case you're wondering. Yes, <laughs> but I I'm going 80s, dude. I'm not just going 80s. I'm going 1987 because apparently 87 was a banner year for Mr. Belushi. It's a quinky dink that I the one I picked is from 87 because I intended to pick it from pretty early on. It is, in fact. I believe, a very forgotten flick. And I feel it is our responsibility here to cover truly forgotten flicks, Jason. You know, movies like Star Wars, Gremlins, Die Hard. Movies and that Goonies. Pe- and Goonies, Goonies was forgotten. Pe- movies that people just don't remember anymore. <laughs> but in fact, this one really is. 1987, starring Jim Belushi and the late great, and anytime I can have an excuse to talk up one of his old movies, even Problem Child 2. John Ritter. I'm talking about real men. Real men. Real men from 1987, (laughs) where Jim Belushi basically plays the exact same character he does in The Principal and Canine. Yeah. Except except in this one, he is a secret agent that's got all sorts of skills that pay the bills named Nick. I'm going to try and pronounce this because it's kind of hard. Perindello. Perindello. Dello. Yeah. And John Ritter plays... A guy named Bob Wilson, who is sort of this milk toast, super sensitive uh, dad. And they end up kind of crossing paths. One thing leads to another. And 
they, it becomes a buddy comedy kind of movie. Uh, they're fighting Russian spies this is in, during the Cold Wars with the Soviets. And and it, it's it's all about John Ritter's character going from being the wimpy, you know, milk toasty guy to getting guts and fighting for something. And the Jim Belushi character going from being very capable, but an insensitive jerk off louse to yeah, yeah. basically kind of getting more in touch with with his girly side, I guess. Um, not that is it, what? Isn't this the one where they, they have to deliver some secret thing to the aliens and turns out it's a glass of water? What? Isn't that this one? A, spoiler alert, and B, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Really? Seriously. There's one where the aliens want something and they have I, to deliver to them. What do they want? A, a full, full disclosure, dude, I literally, I remembered the movie and that's why glass I Glass of water. And I, then they, they make this whole big deal about I getting this know. water, like it's special water or something. To the alien, and the alien in the end looks kind of like a human, and he just kind of drinks it. And says, I really hope not, because I have zero memory of that from this movie, and if, in oh, fact, that's what you. happens in this movie, I hate it. <laughs> because just okay, what you described, what you just described makes me hate the movie. So whatever movie that is, I hate it. Is it Mom and Dad Saves the World or something? What? I don't remember what it was. I swear it was this one, because I, I remember I mean, in The Golden Child, he has a glass of water. He's not supposed to spill a drop. I'm trying to remember movies. Of, Jurassic Park, a couple cups of water vibrate no. when the T-Rex... <laughs> But a glass of water is like the plot of the freaking movie. I thought this had to do more with like Soviet spies and intrigue. I, I haven't seen it in so long. I just have that memory of the glass of water. Oh thing, dear so. God! Uh, I hope you're wrong. If you're listening wait, out wait, there, oh please. wait, 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 wait. I you're, there is a John Ritter movie. Oh crap! What is that movie called? Is it's not Mom and Dad Save the World? That's the one with Jeffrey Jones. Yeah, no, it's not that one. Jeffrey, I've got a restraining order, Jones. <laughs> um, and. No, it's the one. Are, is it involve a remote control? Which is not click the Adam Sandler thing. It's um, damn it. Okay, hold on. I'm cheating. I'm on IMDb. I'm admitting it. All right, hold on. Is it? Because there is a John Ritter movie that I think involves aliens in some capacity. It's like a really bad comedy. Man, the '90s he did a buttload of stuff. Come on, go back. It's like the early. Uh, Problem Child. Yet yeah, that's right. He was. Oh, I swear it was this one. So Problem Child Two. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Nineteen eighty-two. Uh, now that's the one where they get. No, that's the one with Jeffrey Jones too. Son of a bitch. Never mind. I don't even know. Stay tuned. Is a husband and wife? That's the one with Pam Dauber, and they get sucked into like this hellish TV. Oh right, right. But maybe that's not it. And that also has Jeffrey Jones in it. But I swear to God, I remember that it was like this big super secret thing, and it turns out that they wanted a glass of water, and that it wasn't even like the alien did anything with it. He's like, drank it. He's like, thank you. God, I hope you're wrong. Maybe that is it. Maybe it's, so is it, do they ever acknowledge it until the end of the movie, or is it just one of those? Like, do no, you know? they pl- no, they play it up like it's this super secret thing. They have to trade with the aliens because the aliens could destroy the world. Or they have to make a deal with them. They want this one thing. But um, do they find that out pretty early on in the movie? Yeah, like that's I think what they're shooting for is to go meet with the aliens and make this deal. I think I I could be confusing with that. All right, hold on, but... I'm looking at the synopsis here. They got spoiler alerts. KGB, man and woman having sex. <laughs> um, just reading through it. Look alike, original agent. Uh, Bob driving a truck, confronted by wife and children. I still haven't seen anything about aliens. Uh, um, going back to blew it up. Um, 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 tries. To what the hell? Wilson is upset by this and tries to hot Perindilla. That sounds dirty. <laughs> it is our 69th episode. <laughs> they go to Vegas. God, please don't let this be 
where you just... Oh, son of a bitch. What? To convince Wilson, Perandello shows Wilson a gift he got from the aliens. A special pen... Spoiler alert. Doesn't sound like it matters. A special pen that oh, works yes, as a beacon. Pen. Oh, come pen. on. I don't what? remember this at all. I must have blocked it out. <laughs> I remember the pen. I should have I friggin' recommended canine. Oh, my God. Say about the water? I haven't gotten anything. They're definitely something about UFOs. Uh, Wilson asked Prandula that are the aliens negotiating with the Americans to get the big gun. Right, the big gun. That's what they're trying to get, and they want something to trade for it. God, I can't believe I remember this. <laughs> I can't believe it either, dude, because I literally have zero recollection of that at all. And I had this on. I remember recording this off HBO. You know what's hilarious? Ready? This is the this synopsis is like 2,000 words. You get to the bottom. This is what it says. Reading through it while they are driving, Perandello points out that half of the news in the paper is top secret information that CIA have tried to keep. They literally stopped writing in the middle of the word keep. Mid-sentence? <laughs> no, no, not mid-sentence. Mid-word. It says K-E, and then there's nothing after. It's supposed to be the word keep. The guy just gives, like, you know, this is just, I can't even, I can't even do this anymore. I did. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, Real Men, 1987. John Ritter, that's why I picked it, I swear. Oh, God. So, Jay, you want to hit them uh, with a little knowledge about where they can find us, where they can, you know, stalk us, where they can uh, comment yeah, on your amazing, where, where they can... <laughs> Where they can totally comment on your amazing lyrical skills, the way you drop beats. Yo, like listen, if you're looking for somebody to come to rap with your bar mitzvah, heat. what? Yo, call me. You can find me at forgottenflicks.com or on Twitter at Flicks Sidekick. And if you want, it's sort of like it's boy. almost like Christopher Walken trying <laughs> to do an impression of a rapper who's trying to do Christopher Walken. That's what that almost sounded like to me. <laughs> Want my homeboy Jiggy Joel? You can find him at Cheeky. Forgotten Flicks. I guess it's better Twitter. than Jizzy Jason. <laughs> and Jason, of course, is Flick's side kick. <laughs> and his kick, by the way, much better than Victor Duncan's. Yes, much uh, slightly. Um, definitely check us out on the website. Check us out on Facebook. We have two different uh, pages there we've talked about. Also, iTunes. Yes. Uh, give us a rating if you uh, love us. Give us some stars. And if you feel so inclined, write up what you think about the show. Only good comments because otherwise we'll just make snarky comments about retarded kids and things like yeah, that. But, yeah. um, so, well, if you uh, leave us a bad comment, we will call you out. <laughs> we, we, we will. I swear we to will God. Leave your, you know what? We ought to do that. Like If anybody leaves a bad comment, like comment on their comment. Like critique their comment. <laughs> yes, I'd like to point out that right here they um, – misused the comma splice and uh if you're going to use a conjunction <laughs> really yeah. that one really a compound modifier oh, oh my, my god, god. <laughs> who oh, does that so stupid wow oh, like god. adverbs much jeez you know what they add to verbs <laughs> nothing because if you use stronger verbs you wouldn't need them <laughs> yeah oh, it, we, we, so we yeah bad. wow we're such <laughs> nerds okay uh, but, yes, definitely check us out on the website because not only do you, can you find the podcast there, you can find the fantabulous show art of one Kevin Spencer. who Mr. Spencer, Spencer, yes. Fantastic artwork. Uh, thank you very much Inkspatters.com. Yep. Inkspatters.com. By the way, he has some kick-ass uh, graphic novel stuff coming up. Yeah, that, that he's really, doing. Really yep. Cool. 
Um, you can also check out Peter's Retro Reviews. He does some amazing reviews of movies from our youths. And, and uh, Peter is a giant Dane who will kill us all if you don't read them. Yes, to go there and read them. <laughs> He's actually a super cool, awesome guy. Oh, well, there is that. Yes, okay. So technically. <clears throat> and is buddies with Lance Hendrickson, so don't knock it. Oh, I'm Jack. not knocking it. I mean, I said he killed them, not us. <laughs> this is true. Uh, so other than that, uh, you check us on your favorite podcatcher. Uh, just look for Forgotten Flicks. Yes, indeed. So, Jay, uh, any any final things, any final words? Yes. We are stupid, stupid men. <laughs>